A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at the time and say to him, Today I declare that the Lord your God, that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce, in the third year, which is the year of the tithe, giving it to the Levites, the aliens, the orphans, and the widows, so that they may eat their fill within your towns, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion from the house and I have given it to the Levites, the resident aliens, the orphans, and the widows in accordance with your entire commandment that you commanded me. I have neither transgressed nor forgotten any of your commandments. And a reading from the second letter to the Corinthians. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave, according to their means, and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints, and this not merely as we expected. They gave, them, <clears throat> they gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us, so that we might urge Titus that as he has already made a beginning so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. 
For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was, ver was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I am giving my advice. It is appropriate for you, who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something, now finish doing it, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. The word of the Lord. Let me point out something that is so obvious and so common and everyday that we really don't think about it, but we should. Let me point out that right now, you and I are spending. We are spending our time. Now, if you're breathing, you have no choice but to spend your time some way or other. We're all spending time. We've chosen to spend our time here. We also are spending our energy. There's stuff going on inside of our bodies and inside our minds that's keeping us going. I suppose you could argue perhaps that I am spending more energy right now than all the rest of you. A moment ago, Juan was expending a lot of energy, and that was a, a cool thing, but sometimes I wonder whether it takes more energy for me to preach or more energy for you to stay awake while I'm preaching. That's, that's an open question, Donnie. That's all I'm saying, right? We are also in a sense, spending our money right now. now I know that, that none of you are, as we speak, handing over cash or giving someone your credit card number unless there's someone in the far back over there who's on your phone, you know, making cell or airplane reservations or something. That could be the case, I suppose. But, but we are spending money in this sense. Uh, the lights are on. The air conditioning is on. There are people who are on the clock now being paid to help support the ministry of this church. And so, in a way, we're all spending money. I point out that fact because the fact is, we spend all the time. Spending is part of what it means to live a human life. Therefore, we need to think carefully about it. We need to think seriously about it. In some sense, we have no choice but to spend our time and our energy, and yes, even our money. 
Some of you might have been born in the days before money was actually created. You were born into a barter economy, but it's still the same thing. You have to give something that you have earned in order to get something that you need. That's what spending is basically all about. And so other times on Sunday mornings, we've talked about how to spend your time, how to spend your energy. Today, we're going to talk about how to spend your money. Part of my job as a preacher is to try to figure out what's going on in your heads as I'm preaching. And if I were you, what I'd be saying to myself right now is, why didn't I join the summer choir so that I could get up and leave worship before the sermon? We let the choir do that only during the summertime. The rest of the time, they have to sit here and take it. Now, some of the choir members actually went into the choir room, put their music down, and came back into the sanctuary, and they're kicking themselves even harder right now. (laughs) Thank you, Phyllis. But you know, we got to talk about money. Money is a very powerful thing, and you and I have to be careful how we use powerful things. Money is something that all of us deal with. Let me ask this question. Is there anybody in this room right now who does not have any money? If there's anybody in this room right now who does not have any money whatsoever, I brought some with me, okay? Here it is. If you need some money, there it is. If you need more than that, I can point you to people who can give you more than that. (laughs) Money either blesses us or it curses us. It's my job as the pastor in charge of your souls to talk about things that are important. So we'll talk about money. We'll talk about it from the perspective of the scriptures that teach us about money. But before we do that, Let me read for you something that I read a long time ago from one of those many magazines that try to teach us about how to spend money. They're not bad. Some of them have some good advice. How many of you still take Worth magazine? Anybody here take Worth magazine? How many of you have ever seen Worth magazine? Okay, there we go. Maybe they've gone out of business by now. I don't know. Nobody subscribes anymore, right? Years and years ago, Worth Magazine proclaimed their purpose for publishing to be this. They said, we exist. Our mission is to better enlighten, inspire, and serve a select group with an avid interest in the intelligent stewardship of their personal wealth. Intelligent stewardship of your personal wealth. How many of you want to spend your money dumbly? Is that a word, dumbly? I just made it. We don't want to be stupid. We don't want to be unwise. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we don't want to be unchristian in the way that we spend our money. And so let's turn to the scriptures. First of all, the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Let me set the scene for you. God has come to Abraham and said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, Abraham. Abraham and his posterity have lived for several hundred years. They found themselves, the family, 
enslaved in Egypt for a period of several hundred years. God raised up Moses. Moses led the people out of Egypt. They wandered in the wilderness for a while. God taught them about what he wanted for them. God taught them about their role as an example to all the other nations. And now they're ready to go into the promised land as they cross over the Jordan River. And God is speaking one last time through Moses to teach the people about how they are meant to live so that they can be an example to everybody else about how they are meant to live. And this is what Moses has to say. Moses says, remember that the Lord your God is giving you this land as an inheritance to possess. The Lord your God is giving you land. How many of you still fantasize that you have some relative out there that you've never heard anything about and someday somebody's going to walk in and put a will on your desk and say good old uncle so-and-so that you never knew existed has given you is that just my fantasy or does anybody else share that fantasy i don't know (laughs) right thank you thank you yes yes good good god has already given us an inheritance, not just the land that Israel would possess, but all that we have. And so what does God say to do about that? If everything you have is already a gift, and yes, I know you've worked hard, you've earned it, but whatever work you've been able to accomplish, whatever resources you've been able to marshal, Marshall, whatever time you've been able to spend, all of that is a gift from God. It all begins with the gift. We just manage it. It all comes from God, and God says, here's what I want you to do, Israel. When your crops produce, when your herds produce, I want you to bring some of the first of the fruit of the ground that I have given you. Several years ago, Helen and I planted some fruit trees in our yard, and the apricot tree is doing great, and the peach tree is doing great, and the nectarine tree is growing great. How many of you have been picking fruit this year already? There's got to be somebody here. That's great. Let me tell you about the cherry tree. (laughs) Have I told you about the cherry tree before? We actually spent more money to get a bigger cherry tree because we wanted cherries quicker than anything else. We didn't pay much for all the other trees. Yes, okay, you can grow for a while. Well, we planted this cherry tree, and the first year it gave us two cherries. <laughs> and the second year it gave us two cherries. Each one of those cherries right now has cost me 125 bucks a piece. <laughs> It's still fruit. Take some of the first fruit that I have given to you and give it back to me. Not what's left over. We've asked you to bring what's left over. Your gently used clothing and toasters and Game Boys and Lazy Boys and and give them to the rescue mission. God says take some of the first of your fruit and give it back to me so that you will remember from where it has come 
so that you will express your faith in me that I will continue to give you more and so that you can celebrate. What? I love it when I meet Christians who haven't read the Bible and I meet a lot of them. It's one of the reasons we spend so much time reading the Bible here. I know most of us went to churches where the scripture reading consisted of about six and a half words. That was it. I like to read the Bible a lot here because we don't spend enough time reading the Bible. Well, if you read the Bible carefully and you read this passage from Deuteronomy, you will see that God asks us to give something back to Him and He asks us to do something with it. He says, celebrate, have a party. Try that at the next party you go to. Say, you know, I was reading the Bible the other day and God commanded us to have parties. You want to shock some of your Christian friends, some of your non-Christian friends for that matter? Celebrate because I've given you the abundance. Celebrate and then take some of that and give it to the Levites, the aliens, the orphans, and the widows. The Levites were one of the 12 tribes of Israel. They were the tribe set apart to produce the priests. One-twelfth of the male population of Israel were priests because religion is important. Give it so that we can continue our faith. Give it so that we can learn. Give it so that we can serve. Give it so that our faith remains strong. And then go to the aliens and the orphans and the widows. Are any of you resident aliens here? You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. I really don't care one way or the other. What I care about is the fact that when you are an alien living in another land, especially back then, you had no way to take care of yourself. You had no land. You had no business connections. You were at the mercy of the people who lived there. God says, give so that we can take care of the aliens. Give so that we can take care of the orphans and the widows. Two other groups of people who have no means to take care of themselves, they need to be taken care of. Now, why would God want me to take something that I've worked hard for and take care of somebody else? You ever wondered about that? Why should we support the rescue mission to take care of people that we've never met, we never will, their problem is not our problem? Except, God happens to love them because they're his children too. Take care of the alien, the orphan, the widow. That's simply a summary way of saying that God has given to us so that we can give to others so that everybody gets what they need. Is it hard sometimes? You better believe it is. Is it complicated sometimes? Absolutely. Do we make mistakes with our money sometimes? Of course we do. Nevertheless, there we are. Now, when we go to the New Testament, we learn a little bit more about what this business of spending is all about. You notice God said, take some of the first fruit. He didn't say take all the fruit and give it away because a lot of the fruit we need to eat ourselves, don't we? And that's okay. God wants you to have fruit. I don't know why God doesn't want us to have any more than four cherries, but we're going to get to that one later. Right? Helen, I bet we're going to have four bushels of cherries on our doorstep tomorrow morning. No. Here's the scene as Paul is writing to the Corinthians. 
The church has begun to get its feet under itself. The church, of course, starts in Jerusalem. People like Paul and others, the other disciples, travel around the world. They start churches in other places. Meanwhile, back in Jerusalem, things are not going so well. Jerusalem falls to the Romans, and all the Jews are either exterminated or forced out in the year 74. This happens before 74. Jerusalem is an occupied country. The tiny little church there is starving. They have no clothing. They are at the edge of their existence, and Paul knows that because he's still got friends and family back there. And as he travels around to the other churches, he says, you know what? We need to take care of those folks, and so he's collecting an offering. He's writing a letter to the church in Corinth. Corinth is a big city. Corinth is a wealthy city. He's already been to the churches in Macedonia. And in Macedonia, he says that those folks have been suffering a severe ordeal of affliction, but even still their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Macedonia is kind of a backwater place. The church there doesn't have very much. They're a poor church, therefore they haven't given anything. That's what you would expect Paul to say, but that's not what happened. Out of their poverty, they have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. How does that happen? It's one thing to have so much that we can give a little that it doesn't make any difference to us, but it's another. When we have so little, yet it's more than what someone else has that we still give. You see, the truly mature person in Jesus takes whatever they can give and gives that. Not what they cannot. Paul says they have given what they can give. They gave according to their means, and even some gave beyond their means. I frankly don't know many people who give beyond their means. It's a spiritual gift to which I think we all should aspire. But let that take care of herself someday for you. Let's give what we can give, right? We're talking here about God's wisdom. God's instruction, the way that God teaches you and me to live so that we can have what we need, which is a relationship with God. As Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says of the Macedonians that they gave themselves first to the Lord. And there's the heart of it all. Not that they gave their offering for the church back in Jerusalem, not that they gave the first fruits of their produce, they gave themselves first to the Lord. That's who we think we are, isn't it? People who've given ourselves to the Lord. We say we are Christians. We say we follow Jesus Christ. We have given ourselves to the Lord. Therefore, we give according to the Lord's example, and Paul reminds us of that example. You know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Now I'm not so much talking about money, am I? 
I'm talking about us. I'm talking about the fact that we have been given every single thing that we enjoy. It all fundamentally comes from the Lord. The Lord who came to be with us and to give himself for us so that we might have what only he could offer. It is in a spirit, therefore, of thanksgiving and gratitude and trust in God that we think about our own giving, including our money. It's something that we all need to know because it has spiritual consequences. It has spiritual ramifications. What a person gives from their money tells me something about what's going on in their soul. That's what I'm interested in. That's what God's interested in. That's what you're interested in. So whenever you have the misfortune to show up in church and the preacher's talking about money again, I want you to walk into that church and sit down and listen to that sermon and say, my soul's good with God in that regard because I have given from what God has given to me so that others could experience the blessing that I've got. May that be to God's glory and to God's grace. Amen.